This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 276, published on September 1st, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios. And normally, I'd put the weather in here at this point, but we're actually pre-recording this week. Uh, I'm out of town at the moment here, and and so we can't do our regular Thursday show. Although, if you've shown up live to watch the Thursday show, we'll be available for you in the live stream. I want to welcome you if you've come out. Thank you for coming out on Thursday. Don't forget to check in in the chat room. There might be some other folks doing the same thing. We'll publish this on Twitter as well, so if you're listening live. But if you're not, if you're not... Uh, we recorded this uh, a week ago or so, and of course we'll post it with uh, with show notes during its regular time here uh, at the Average Guy TV. Don't forget you can join us live on the new mobile app as well. Although not this week, but a great way to listen to the podcast. I want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of the mobile app, and they're on for another year. In fact, they're coming on three, four, five weeks, something like that. Uh, we want to thank them for that. You can get those apps, head over to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And of course, HomeGadgetGeeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts out at TheGeeksNetwork.com. I will say, don't forget about the Home Server Show Meetup. Almost too late to get in at this point. We've got about, uh, by the time you're listening to this, just under two weeks to go. And so it's September 17th. If you go to HomeServerShow.com and look up for look up Meetup 2016 in there, and uh, it'll have all the details available for you. 22 bucks gets you in uh, for the day. We've got some great food, some great technology. We're at the Microsoft headquarters there in Indianapolis. If you're very close, you should be there. And if you're listening to this, you'll want to be there. Again, head, head over to Home servershow.com and look for meetup 2016. Just want to remind you at this point, uh, by the time again, by the time you're listening to this, the Patreon loop has gone through, but I may have a few stickers left. If you want to get those, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash support, and that'll take you to our Patreon link. We've got options for a buck, three bucks, five bucks, whatever you want to donate, however you want to donate. If you do $3 or more, I'll send you a sticker and uh, say, I really appreciate you here on the podcast. So those are available out there. Again, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash support. And then one last reminder of you could probably get in this weekend if you wanted to, and we've had one or two of you do that. But if you want to join our fantasy football league, jump in as well. Send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. All right. Well, we pre-recorded this interview with Erin, and uh, she says a lot about herself on the podcast, and we're going to jump right in, and uh, and we'll do this pre-recorded interview. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Aaron Lawrence, and uh, we are talking. Well, we got some great stuff to talk about. Aaron, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Thanks, Jim. I'm so glad to be here. Well, uh, thanks for saying yes. I reached out to you on Twitter, and it's always one of those kinds of things when you reach out to folks and you're like, "Hey, would you be on the podcast?" You had a post that really intrigued me. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, Aaron, for folks who don't know, your bio says journalist, tech blogger, writer, TV producer, silversmith, but Jewelry is interesting when we think about it from some gadgetry standpoint. Foodie and world traveler, but uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of your background. I know you're currently in, in uh, Calgary uh, in Canada, but give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, so I work a, a day job, I guess you could say, as a TV producer here in Calgary. I work for a news network and take care of morning news for them. And then that affords me some spare time in the afternoon. So I like to be busy. I like to keep up with my passions and hobbies. 
So, it, you know, with all that free time I had, I decided I was going to dive into some of those interests. So I started tech blogging and uh, doing freelance writing projects and really just taking on projects that interested me. So that's kind of how I keep busy in the afternoons and the weekends. And, you know, when tech blogging stops being interesting for a couple hours, I move on to jewelry or cooking or, you know, reading about travel. And that's just how I like to stay busy and connected. Yeah, that's cool. Let's talk about the morning show stuff that you do, because in television, you've been doing that for a little bit of time. Are you seeing more and more tech make its way into TV, or has that still kind of stayed the same technology over the last decade or so? What, what are you seeing in the TV industry? I feel like it's still kind of a marginal thing, that it's not as mainstream as it probably could be, but at the same time, it's growing, and the more people are sort of becoming attached to their technology and the more the technology is you know becoming a part of our lives I mean nobody goes anywhere without their smartphone and I feel like that more and more uh, it is becoming mainstream but I still think there's a place for even more tech and gadget news to get into those mainstream channels and radio stations and and news coverage yeah, we're seeing here in the Omaha market, we're seeing some of those personalities make their way out onto Facebook Live and they're doing some live streaming. Uh, is that in, in the market that you're in or is there some pressure on the personalities to do more where they're either blogging or podcasting or you know going live and doing live streaming? I wouldn't say there's pressure to do it, but I think everybody in our business understands that that's the way of the future. And that, I mean, no longer do you need $50,000 broadcast cameras and, you know, $10,000 microphones and a $200,000 satellite truck to broadcast live. You can go on Facebook, you can go on Twitter, you can go on any number of social media platforms that are all adding those live functions. And you can be a one-man broadcast, one-man or one-woman broadcast crew. So I think conventional media is taking notice of that and trying to spread out across more of those platforms and be more relevant to a lot more people these days. Yeah, I you know I um I'm kind of a weather nerd. I love especially out here on the plains. You guys are in the northern plains, so you understand mm -hmm. the weather can change in an instant. And um and so I love following the weather. I was I was out there the other day on Twitter and I cannot believe how many weather people like men and women who do the weather for that seems to be Twitter seems to be where all the weather people have aggregated out there there were tons on there I think that Twitter plays itself nicely to weather right because it's short little you know short little bursts of information and um, and so do you well, see and it is current oh, too right I mean yeah. if if something's happening we had this happen up here last year there was a tornado that was basically closing in on the city and so many people were going to Twitter for the very, very latest because in a lot of cases, you know, maybe your local radio station's not doing news at the moment. Maybe they're playing music. Maybe it's not time for a newscast on your local TV station. But Twitter can broadcast whatever's happening right now. And weather's a great example of that where, you know, anytime a storm hits in our city in particular, people jump on Twitter. Oh, okay, it's hailing in the Northwest. Check out these photos. Oh, it's coming down like a torrent in the Southeast. What do you guys got up in the, you know, in the East or just outside of town? And so people can really connect in real time about what's going on wherever they are. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, the weather guys and gals have seemed to really latch on to Twitter 
and uh, I just there were hundreds I, I'd gotten kind of I think I had put in weather even weather nerd and had started looking just what that where that showed up in people's um, you know in their biography and uh, and holy cow there were tons out there so that's one of those things you know when we think about traditional media news media it does seem like they're jumping on more from that mm -hmm. standpoint you also do some blogging and you know, today, I think if you ask people right now, I mean, bloggies had, blogging has had this resurgence and then a kind of dip and then it resurged again and maybe a little dip. Where do you see blogging today from, you're, you're currently in the industry, is there still a lot of demand for it? Is it on a downhill? Are we in the trough? Is it picking back up again? What do you think, where do you think blogging is at today in that, um, in that you know, kind of cycle? I feel like for me, it's been quite steady, but I feel like what people are, sort of the reasons people are, are needing bloggers and blogging and writers change kind of every few years. And for me, for me, what I'm experiencing right now is people want stories and storytelling, which goes really well with my background as a journalist. And what they're using those stories for is, you know, for corporate projects, telling the stories maybe on a corporate website, uh, the stories of their customers and things that are going on. And then they're using that content to repurpose it across different social media platforms. So amplifying their message out over a bunch of different social media platforms. And I almost feel like, you know, it might be heading in more of uh, marketing or, um, you know, sort of a, yeah, a marketing direction, I guess. But the, the demand, I think, is steady. I think maybe what changes is just where the ask comes from. Yeah, and I, I have found it's gotten really commercial, and uh, there are still some blogs out there that are kind of personal and kind of community kind of based, and, and but I really feel like the big tech blogs have gotten very, very commercial. There's a lot of pressure to be the first one out with the review. You know, you've had it yeah. for 30 seconds, and you're already publishing a review, you know, kind, yeah. kind of deal. Or they um, stick with the bigger companies, right? Like w one of the advantages that I find with my tech blog in particular is that I can cover off smaller developments and products that maybe aren't getting as much publicity or aren't, you know, aren't out there on every single other tech blog. But people do want that, you know, want their message out there and they're a little more willing to, to work with you on sharing their content. Yeah, I should mention if you want to see where Aaron's, a lot of Aaron's work at, you can go to Aaron E R I N L Y Y C. I'll leave that in the show notes so folks can do it. dot com. Again, E R I N L Y Y C. dot com. There's a lot of information out about there. Okay, it does say in your bio that uh, that you do some uh, that you're part of CTV Tech Talk monthly as well as to the acclaimed Geeks and Beats podcast. Where uh, as the gadget ninja is that? Tell me, tell, me, tell me a little bit about how that works and your role in in that job. That was fun. So uh, tech talk on CTV evolved out of the tech blog. Um, at the time when I started doing that, CTV had been looking for a little more regular gadget content on um, the morning show that they were doing, and it just so happened that some of the tech blogging that I was doing, um, you know, caught their attention. So. Uh, I was asked to do that, and then um, uh, I guess not a short time later, um, actually started working for that show as well. So it's kind of been a nice transition and a nice doubling up of of my duties, I guess. And uh, the Geeks and Beats podcast uh, was a fantastic experience. The Geeks and Beats po 
<laughs> geeks and beaks. Geeks and beaks. Oh, they cover ducks that. while they're at it. <laughs> <laughs> they um they are no longer producing podcasts. I am super sad to say. Mm. Um, but that was Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, um, both well-known Canadian uh, radio and media personalities who covered all things science, tech, and geek, and it was just a joy to be part of that whenever I could. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. I've been doing te a tech podcast for five, almost. We're coming up on our sixth year. It's hard to do them every single week, uh, you know, especially in the big budget market area. You know, you got to have high expectations. They want to see big numbers. You know, Home Gadget Geeks here, we're a small community podcast. I can just kind of keep rolling. I don't, have to, I don't have anybody to report to. I can do whatever I want. I can invite on whoever I want. And so it's kind of nice that way. You you also won two Edward R. Morrow Awards uh, for your TV work. That's no small task. I mean, those are that's a big deal, right? That's that's probably the thing or things I am most proud of in my career. Um, those were some awards I won. Um, one of them while I was working for a news program called Global National, um, which was a national news or is a national newscast here in Canada. Uh, and I planned and executed a basically month-long cross-country on a bus road trip where we broadcast from a different city in Canada every night for the duration of an election campaign here in Canada. And I was so proud of the work that I did and my team did and our news anchor did. So it was a, it was a thrill and a, a real personal, personal best moment to win that award. Yeah, it's a big deal. Congratulations on that. So very, very well done. Well, we want to talk a little bit about gadgets. The whole reason I brought you on was I saw Husqvarna. That's a hard name to pronounce, by the way. You've got to um, say that one five times fast now. Yeah, no, please don't make me <laughs> say it again. Um, and, and actually, uh, so I saw a post. Uh, I think I, I saw it off Twitter. I might have been uh, looking around on Twitter. I saw it. And it's for their robotic lawnmower. And we had been talking about that early in the spring. And I was like, oh, really cool. So I, I popped in there. And, and after reading your post, realized this wasn't like they gave it to you for a day and you wrote up this nice. I mean, you actually used it and you worked with it. You took pictures of it. So tell me first, how did how does did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did that kind of, uh, how the relationship get there so they'd give you, because this is an expensive, it's like a $3,000 yeah. lawnmower. Right? Yeah, it definitely is. So I was, in the spring, I was looking for, um, doing some research, I guess, into gardening gadgets and um, other sort of interesting things that you would use outdoors or in the garden or the yard, you know, um, for both the blog and um, whenever I'm looking for stuff for the blog, I'm also keeping an eye on things that might play well in a TV segment as well. Um, so I happened to stumble, you know, in a Google search for lawn and garden gadgets, I stumble across this Husqvarna auto mower. And I thought, oh, wow, I had no idea there was robotic lawn mowers out there. So I did some research, looked it up, you know, was surfing their website. And just thought, wow, I wonder if, like, if I could get them to, you know, bring one to the studio or can I go and see how it works because I wasn't really sure. And so I thought, I'll just send them an email and, you know, ask for some information about it. I did and got uh, an email back from their PR people who said, you know, oh, we've checked out your blog and we see what you're doing and we see you've got this TV segment and, you know, social media and so forth. Uh, let us let us investigate, but do you think you might be interested in possibly testing one out? 
And I thought, heck yeah, <laughs> robot lawnmower, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, uh, you know, numerous back and forth emails and and some discussions later, they said that they could make it happen for me here in Calgary. That I could probably borrow one of these mowers for um, about a week or two. We thought, and then as things got closer, we started working with a local dealer who sells them and installs them and sort of does all that caretaking and they came out and had a look at our lawn assessed the size of the yard and said you know I think you're gonna want to test it out for a little bit longer so how would you feel about having it in your yard for a month or so and I thought oh that's terrible <laughs> yes <please. laughs> no <laughs> yes please so they uh, I might be jumping ahead here but they came and did the installation and um, I think it was here probably for close to six or seven weeks and we can get into sort of the installation and how it works and how it cuts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's but let's do that, that because I I find it very interesting. I, so I'm such a nerd on these. Back in the spring, the reason I I bring this up is because in the spring I had to buy a new mower. My I I have a you know I have a big battery powered one that is I've had for about eight years and it, the batteries finally gave up the ghost and it yeah. was start the the deck was starting to break down a little bit and I thought eh, it's probably time to get a new mower and so I started looking at these robot lawn lawnmowers. And I, you know how you do on YouTube. I got, I geeked into it one night, and I, like six hours later, I'd watched every YouTube video there was on the various <laughs> brands of it, and the different kinds of blades and all those other those kinds of things. But I love to watch. I love it's like I'm a, you know, I'm a this old house kind of guy. So I love yes. installs. I love putting stuff in. So when when you get one of these, right, it's not a matter of just setting it and forgetting it. You've got to do an installation of a wire around your yard. So talk a little right. bit about how they, did they install that for you? Is that something you did? How was your space laid out? Talk a little bit about that. Okay. So there's two options with the auto mower. One is that you can do the installation yourself, um, and you'll see kind of why I was glad I didn't have to go that route. The other option is you get a local dealer who has knowledge of, of the product and how sort of I guess the best practices of it to do it for you. So um, Alberta Forest and Garden is the company that did it for me here in Calgary. And basically what they do is they bring out a giant coil of wire, uh, plastic coated wire, and in a permanent installation they would lay this around the edges of your yard and bury it. So it's not going to get tripped over by pets. You're not going to catch it with any lawn tools. It's, you know, underground and safe. For our purposes of the temporary installation we did at my house, um, they really just used lawn and garden stakes and sort of staked it to the surface of the grass, and then the grass kind of grew up over it and, and covered it. But what they'll do is they'll create a perimeter with this wire that basically tells the automower where its boundaries are you can um, you know fence things in or fence things out using the wire so if you've got a vegetable garden in the middle of your lawn that you'd rather the mower didn't chomp up for you then you simply just put the wire around it and it will know it not to go in those boundaries so for us we had a couple little areas that we had to to keep separate and for the most part it was just edging the yard around the house and the fence and you know the flower garden you have a and you have a pretty big yard, or what, what would you consider your grass space? I would say our yard is maybe just slightly bigger than average. Um, it's not an acreage, though. I do they did show me some video of an acreage install that they did recently, and it's a massive piece of property, and this mower just runs over it like a boss. So it was mm. really impressive. Cool. But our yeah, our yard's about average, and 
funnily enough, they actually thought when they were doing the install that, you know, hey, maybe we should really show you what it can do. How would your neighbor feel if we included his yard in this as well? And so I went over and knocked on my neighbor's door. I'm like, uh, hi, Gary. Question for you. How would you feel if I took care of your lawn for, you know, the next month and a half? And he just about fell over. That's hilarious. And quickly agreed to this plan. Oh, man, so that's awesome. So they actually did two yards for us for, you know, much of the summer here. And same thing, like just staked, staked the, um, the cable down into everybody's yard. So you have a community. And you don't have fences. We you've got you've got a community space with your yards where they back we up do. to each other. Yeah. Type deal. Yeah. Very much shared. So it took three gentlemen about six hours, I would say, to do all that wire and everything else. And then, interestingly enough, this was kind of the part I found the most fascinating. Is once they get that wire all laid out, because I think there's like breaks in the wire and stuff. So you've got to make sure you've still got a connection. So what they did is they had to go around, they took a radio with the antenna pointing down and basically walked around the perimeter where they had laid all this wire and used the radio, the signal in the radio to tell where the breaks in the cable were. So then they patched those up and then when they finally had a perfect signal, the, um, the automower comes on a base. There's like a base station, a home station where it charges up. So it'll tell you when you've got a complete signal. So once they finished that, you know, testing around with the radio and stuff, fixed the brakes, they knew they had a complete signal, basically the mower was ready to go. But it was really fun to watch them using kind of this old technology to get this robot auto mower working. It's, it's just wire, right? I mean, it's just wire that goes yeah. around the yard. It's going to encompass the, the mower so it won't go outside of it. It won't pop, you know, it, it's looking for that that wire. And, and my understanding is on some of them, and on this version, I don't know if it's true, but is the battery's getting low, it will go to a wire and then it will file the wire back to the base station. Is that was that something a feature available in this one? Yeah. So when they do when they install it, there is sort of one guide wire that brings it to and from the base station. And then basically and then it kind of operates almost like a Roomba, if you can picture mm -hmm. a Roomba operating. So it follows that sort of little roller coaster guide wire track. And then once it gets to the end of it, it's got free reign. So then it goes and it cuts. It doesn't cut in a linear way. It's very much kind of random, but it'll go out for a couple of hours at a time and just kind of crisscross over the whole yard. And you might think, okay, well, how is it going to get all those spaces? And what about all the little places that it misses? And isn't it going to leave tufts of grass in the middle of your yard? Basically, what you do is you set this thing up so that it was cutting my lawn every night between about midnight and 6 a.m. So if you think about it, if it's going out for five or six hours a night, every night, and doing its work, it, it just gets everything eventually. I mean, yeah, maybe but... not on day one or day three, but by day five and day seven, you've covered all your bases. And it's supposed to cut a little at a time, right? That's kind of the 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 the, uh, the sell on this thing is that it can be raining. It's okay because it's not cutting a lot of grass from that right. standpoint, and it can go around. Did did it um, did the version you have kind of learn the yard, and so at some point it kind of understood the space it was in? I when I looked at some of those, they had some ability to kind of say, okay, now I understand the space I'm in, and they would start to kind of optimize their paths based on the the understanding of space. Was that in this one? 
I don't think the version I had, it didn't seem to be learning it. I know there are, I think there's two or three other versions above this one that'll cut bigger spaces. You can have it connect to your smartphone on different models as well. So there are smarter ones than the one I had. Um, this one kind of seemed to me to be a lot more random. Okay. So I don't know how much he was learning and how much he was just staying within his boundaries. Well, did random work for you, though? I mean, you're, you're watching this on the yard, and I'm assuming... What, did you? Now, so you set it to run midnight to 6, so you didn't let it run during the day. You kind of had it running at night, which means it, they run quiet enough that it's not like your neighbors are all you know upset because your mower is running. Did your neighbor ever say anything uh, about his yard and hearing the mower? Aside from what one of my neighbors coming over and saying, what is that thing creeping across your lawn? He didn't know what it was because they don't make any noise. They run absolutely silently, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about what we're all used to with lawnmowers and right. especially gas mowers. They're just, you know, noise machines. But this thing runs totally silently. If you get close to it, you can hear it actually snipping the blades of grass really quietly and that's all you're going to hear. So it was easy to run it all night because nobody heard a peep. The only time people did hear something, and I think I caught it before it woke up the neighbors, is during sort of the first week of testing as it's, you know, finding its way around and seeing sort of where the high and the low spots of your yard are. There was a divot in our lawn and a couple times it got caught in the divot. And what happens is if the mower sort of comes off level, it will send out an alarm because it thinks someone's trying to steal it. And we can talk about the cool security features in a bit. But so it would get caught in this divot and then it would send out this screeching alarm saying, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So I had to run out there in a bathrobe in the middle of the night and just sort of write it. And then we eventually covered this divot with um, just a piece of wood so that it wasn't going to get stuck in there anymore. It does kind of teach you your yard's contour from that standpoint, I would imagine, right, of making sure you do one at level. Um, did you, so did you find yourself wanting to stay up and watch the thing at night? Because I'm, I'm, I like that. I would have stayed up or I would have set the schedule for earlier in the day so that I could watch it. I would literally sit on my deck and just watch yes. the thing cut the lawn. Did you, did, did you find that too, maybe oh, early? Oh, Jim, when you first that, that happened in the early days, yeah. Especially, you know, because the neighbors would come over, the other neighbors and want to see what was going on or we had friends um, from up the street come by and say so uh, how do you get this lawnmower going so y you do have the ability to override the timer on it anytime you want basically so that there was definitely phone? a few times uh, the timer no, on your... oh, there's ahead. a there's a panel on the back of the mower and that's sort of where you do all the programming and the time setting and where you get any error messages or you know whatever else you want to you need to see about it so you just program the panel, uh, and it's quite easy. I mean, anybody could do it. You don't have to be a, an engineer or a scientist or someone who can program a VCR to have to do that. <laughs> just, and it works just, pretty easy. And there, the um, we'll talk about security here in a second, but there is a pin if they somebody does try to steal it, right? There's a pin that you have to put in to make the thing uh, work. So a yeah. um, couple things. One, what, did you have, besides the divots and some of the terrain problems, did you have any problems with a longer grass? I know sunny areas might grow longer, and in the random pattern, they don't necessarily know that, right? It doesn't really understand that. So did you ever run into any kind of grass problems where they may have got too long or got too bogged down or it wasn't cutting the grass right? Right, something like that. Right. 
There was one spot, again, these were kind of in the early days of testing as they were tweaking our, our setup and where the wires were and how far over the wire that the mower will go, um, where we had sort of one patch of grass right by the base station that just wasn't getting cut. And that was a simple matter of just adjusting where the wire was. And, you know, within a couple of days, that grass had all been cut down again. For the most part, it cut really, I shouldn't even say for the most part, it cut really evenly all the time. I mean, we barely had to do any edging or trimming. It it kept things a uniform length. The clippings are so short because it's mulching that grass that, you know, there's nothing to rake up. There's no debris. There's no dried grass all over your lawn. It just, it looked great all the time. And it almost feels like your lawn has stopped growing because like you were saying, Jim, if you're not out there watching it and you, you know, you're not sure that it's actually out there working, it just looks like your lawn has stopped growing. Yeah. I, I would be horribly, I mean, I would just, I'd wake up in the middle of the night just to go out, hey, is it, is it running? You know, I'd peek <laughs> out the window and, and I love, for me, I love watching things. Like I love to watch people mow their lawns or I, I love to mow it myself because of that satisfaction of, yeah. when you're done and you look at it and you're like, so for me, this would only be something I turn on during the day. You know, I would be like, no, I want to, I want to watch this thing. You Put know, I kind of want to see it in action. Um, well, do you know what I, about these mowers is they're, they're huge in Europe. They're just really coming to North America now, but in Europe, I did some research on them and there's, you know, photos and videos online that you can check out. People treat these mowers like, like pets. They will trick them out. They will paint them up. They will, you know, flames up the side. I saw one that was painted like a ladybug. They will, you know, totally deck them out. And then they'll build them these little garages almost. I guess a little auto mower garage where it's, you know, it's out of the sun. It's out of the elements. And, you know, they'll make these houses look beautiful and elaborate too. So people are really taking pride in you know, in not just the mower itself, but everything connected to the mower. So they are really enjoying it almost as like a lifestyle thing. Yeah. And I think I heard some of them name them. So they've got, you know, they've got kind of a pet name for them and, and pretty interesting. Did it, did it struggle? Do you have any hills or any? Because I know, you know, uh, some of the tests I saw as I was, I, I watched some videos where they were testing various versions of them. You know, when you come, the physics of the of the device as you come up a hill, sometimes it wants to turn and it'll never really make it up to the top of the hill. Any of that in your yard that uh, it had to deal with? Nothing majorly hilly um, in our yard. I, I had a look at some other videos as well, and knowing what I know about some of the other models that are available, you can actually, if you do have a hilly yard, you can actually get. Um, I guess better tires for it, better wheels with a little more grip on them. So it's going to give you a bit more traction if you do need it, but uh, for the most part, we had a pretty flat yard. Okay, so you didn't you didn't really challenge it. I think no. uh, based on the model versions, they've got different grades that they're good they're good at, and uh, some of them are even highlighted for being able to handle those because it's not always going to come straight out of hill. It, because of the randomness added, it may be at various angles. And, of course, exactly. if it goes up the side, it's going to want to come back down. Gravity just want to bring it back down. Some handle those um, better than others. Did it, did it? How long would a single charge last? Uh, it, would it go all night? Could it check itself out, mow all night, and come back in? Because I know some of them can, you know, they'll come in until they recharge, and then they'll go back out. Uh, how about yours? Yeah, 
I wasn't watching it sort of until it exhausted itself when I, when I was watching it work. But it, it, that's what it will do, is basically it'll go out, it'll cut until it's exhausted its battery, or nearly exhausted its battery, I should say. And then it'll go back to the base station within that time frame that you've sort of set it to cut. And once it's recharged, then it'll go back out again. Um, I think you mentioned rain earlier. It is smart enough to detect rain. And if it's a little bit of rain and it's not going to do any damage to your lawn, it'll keep cutting. If it kind of gets heavier, it's got a sensor in it, it'll send itself back to the base station, wait out the storm, and then, you know, when things improve a bit, he's back at it. That's incredible. I love it. It's almost like when we were talking earlier about learning the lawn, there's some predictive analytics that could go into this. as Because it's, it's got all that data as it's making its way around the yard, and it could even map out kind of a, like, hey, this is it. And then it could even be tied into the weather. So it would be like, we're oh, expecting yeah. storms this afternoon, I'm going to shift my schedule to the day when I have a better, you know, a better propensity to to get the lawn mode and then that way I'm locked up and secure at night when the, you know, and the risk of uh, of heavy storms is high. I just I, I kind of think about, you know, and it's just and then at the end of the day you're like, I'm just mowing my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Why not go all the way, right? The technology yeah. adaptations you could have with this are are pretty no, much endless, it, right? It's pretty cool. And, and there's there's actually, we, uh, we'll talk in a second, we'll talk about the security of the unit, but it could also be a roving security camera for you in your yard around your house. As it's out, it could have a camera on it where it's picking up any motion, anything that's going oh, on. A little, I, you know. if, if, if the mower were mine to adjust and configure, there would have been a GoPro strapped to the top of it. <laughs> But well, as it was, I didn't really have a good mounting system. How cool would that be if it was a GoPro that was tied into motion sensor out around it? And because you know, it there were some animals that in the middle of the night or whatever were kind of checking this thing out, or maybe right. you know, let's since we're we're talking about animals, and in the United States here, with with as happy as we are to sue people for things, when we think <laughs> about safety, right? I, I hear from a lot of when I first started talking about this, I was like. People were like, oh, I mean, yeah, let the kids play with this thing in the yard. It's going to run over somebody's foot. It's going to, you know, you think about the blades on your mower. Not really, right, in this case. So right. talk a little bit about physical safety of the device. Right. So it has a couple of safety features. And the key one, I guess, is the fact that it's not like a regular lawnmower. Regular lawnmower has the big blade underneath that spins on the central axis. And while it's running, it's running. And if you stick a twig in there or a finger, you're going to lose it. The automower runs a little bit differently. Instead of that one big blade, it's got, I think mine had three very small blades. And to me, they almost looked like the blades in, um, in an X-Acto knife. And they're almost on these little pivot points on the underside. So there's kind of a central disc that these individual little blades spin on. And if they hit something, they just fold back in on themselves. So there's a couple of really great videos online. You can see when it's actually hitting something in the ground and the blades just flip away from whatever it's hitting until it gets past them. So uh, if it runs over something, it's not going to gouge the crap out of the blades trying to cut through it. It's just going to back off it. So that's kind of how people don't get hurt. The other thing um, I got asked a lot was, oh my god, I have a dog in the yard. Is it going to run over my dog and you know kill my dog? 
And no, it didn't. It did not harm my dog. My dog really didn't care for the auto mower that much. It wasn't that bothered by it either. But, you know, the, the mower bumped into the dog a couple times while it was running in the yard. And, you know, the dog gave the mower a sideways look and the mower went in the other direction. So same thing if you have kids. It's, um, you know, it, it, you know, I've had it run over the one of the contractors was sort of showing us what it's like and he stuck his boot in front of it. And, you know, I mean, the way the mower's configured, it's not going up and over your foot and chopping a toe off. It it bumps it and it moves along. So I was really impressed with sort of all the different safety features. The other thing that it has is if you are concerned maybe that somebody might want to steal your fabulous new robot lawnmower, how can you prevent that? What's to prevent anyone from just sort of walking by your lawn and going, awesome, great. So there's a couple things. One is one thing you already mentioned, Jim, which is that pin number that you need. So in order for you to get it working or make any adjustments or changes, you have to have that pin number. The second thing is, is that if it gets picked up, it'll emit that high-pitched shriek I was talking about earlier. So if it gets lifted, it's going to squawk. So hopefully you're there to hear it. If you don't hear it and somebody miraculously makes off with your auto mower, basically they can never use it. Because what they would have to do is, for starters, they'd need the base station too. Another thing is you'd need to get it basically reconfigured or reset at a Husqvarna dealer. So if somebody takes it into a Husqvarna dealer and just says, oh, yes, I got this uh, at a garage sale. Right, right. Husqvarna is going to look up in their records, you know, who the owner is. Is it registered? Has it been reported stolen? Is there a police report? And they've got those records and that data so that basically whoever does end up with the mower can't use it. You know, Husqvarna or their dealers are going to call the cops on whoever's shown up with your auto mower trying to get it to work. So that yeah, was pretty like, cool. A lot like a cell phone from that standpoint. It's really it's exactly. really hard these days. I mean, you, you to bring a cell phone back on the network and 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 make that work legitimately. Um, and I so I think they're they're working hard to build the confidence because that's I hear that all the time when yeah. we talk about this. Like, wouldn't somebody just rip that thing off? Right. And, well, in some uh, of the higher-end versions of it, the bigger versions, do come with GPS. So, I mean, if if it did wander away, you'd know exactly where it was at any given moment. Um, any, so you, you had mentioned one about having a GoPro on the front when we think about any, uh, what, what else would you change? If there, were there other things through the course? Well, first of all, when it was gone, did you miss it? Yes, immediately. The lawn started growing, and I was like, what is this? What? I have to go out and mow my yard again? You've got to do yard work again? So we did notice a really big hole. And trust me, between us and our neighbor, there was a good, you know, serious conversation about, so what if we did keep it and buy one? And, like, how would that work out? It's a tough. It's they're still really expensive. I mean, I think the the low ends at about two thousand here in the U.S. Yes. and then they go up to five or six thousand dollars. Exactly. And that's that's tough. I think for most people on their lawn, it's tough to justify when you can get a push mower. And you know, in my case, uh, the hill out front, I have a hill that's way too steep. It would never. It's a you know I and I have a front you know on my mower I have a front wheel drive and I still engage everyone driving. It pulls me up the 
you know, pulls me up the hill, it would be too steep out front. Back is the only place it would work, and I have maybe 1,500 square feet back there of lawn, and it's tough to justify $3,000. So I hopefully the prices more... will come down. Yeah, no, I think where it makes more sense for some people, and this was the case with my neighbor, is um, he's a bit older, so he has someone come and cut his lawn every week. So, you know, when you're now you're paying someone to do that work for you, you start to look at costs a little differently. So is it going to, over the long run, average out better for you to, you know, have a, an auto mower? And their lifespans are, you know, I think at least 10 years, if not longer. One of the customers um, that Alberta Forest and Garden had told me about when they put ours in said that she had had her mower for about 10 years and the only reason she was even getting a new one was because I think something random happened. It got struck by lightning or something. So, yeah, better better the mower than you right. out there. Um, and it would be out normally. You wouldn't be out in a thunderstorm. It might because it doesn't know or right. you know the, those kind of conditions. Do you? Um, so what about winter? Uh, do you pull it in? Do you pull the base station in? Is it how does that work? Um, you know, here in Nebraska, we would, you know, I'm not going to, it's going to snow out there. So at some right. point I got to bring it in. Uh, how yeah. would that decision go? You know, Jim, I don't know that. I didn't actually get into that with them. But I would think that, you know, while the wire can stay buried, I don't think you'd want that much snow and water and, and weather on your expensive machine. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have that little custom garage that you've built for it, I imagine you'd probably want to want to pull it out of the weather. Yeah, which is why the Europeans probably have auto. You know, the, the the door comes up and it goes in. <laughs> I'm sure. Garage. I'm sure Auto in Stuttgart has that thing all pimped out. And uh, and anything else uh, along those lines? Anything that you guys learned, or any any cool stories, or anything that you know unusual situations or things you didn't think about would happen, or any new? What else would you add to it? If you could. Mm, the GoPro on there, I think, would be yeah. really fun. And yeah. if I had one for myself, I would definitely trick it out. And I was joking with my husband that I would get, uh, I would blow up a macro photo of grass and then, like, paper it over the auto mower so it's basically invisible, like Predator. And that, that would be pretty <laughs> cool because it would be cutting the lawn and you'd never see it. You would never see it. Does it have a light on it? So at night when it's out, can you see it? Uh, can you see where it's at? No, no lights. Um, I think you could put lights on it, not not on my version. Yeah. And it's yeah. just as well for stealth mode. It's electronics. I'm sure a lot of the listeners here at Home Gadget Geeks would have all kinds of ways to trick it out and, uh, oh, and make it work. Oh, you could underlight it with some sweet LEDs. You could do any number of awesome custom things on it. Yeah. Did you? Are you a Rumba customer at all? Have you done the robotic vacuum cleaner? So is that... Have you? Is it similar? I have actually. I have had, um, and these are on my blog at erinlyyc.com as well, but I've had a chance to test out two different Roombas. Um, one is the traditional vacuum. I think the model was the 880. And I more recently tested the uh, Roomba mop. It's basically a wet sweeper and a mop as well. And I was skeptical at the beginning. I thought, you know, how much sweeping and mopping and help do we really need with this but I mentioned before we have a dog so I mean there's always pet hair tumbleweeds around our house and I really came to appreciate having a Roomba around when you know setting it for when we were at work to go out sweep up all that pet hair and then it, I found it did keep the house a lot tidier 
So had some experience with the Roomba vacuum and really liked that one as well. And I found the mop actually worked really well too, much to my surprise. It's similar idea. I, the mop is not as smart as the vacuum is, but it's still pretty smart. So you attach these cleaning pads to it and it knows sort of which cleaning pad you have. If you want a full mop or a wet sweep. And then you set it up, fill it with warm water, and it will find its way around the edges of your home. It's fantastic in a bathroom. I did a time lapse on my YouTube channel of the Roomba mop cleaning the bathroom from edge to edge and all the way around, and it was just perfect. Wow. And I was thinking, well, okay, but how much dirt is it really getting for me? You know, isn't it just kind of rolling over the top of it and superficially cleaning it? And the first time I had it run through, I picked the mop up and turned it over and it was disgusting underneath. Like the, <laughs> that that cleaning pad, I could not eject it from the mop fast enough. It was it was really gross. Like, wow, this thing is actually working. Was the Roomba, do you feel like that it got a good I would always be skeptical of just the, you know, the suction power in that kind of device. Did that uh, pick up enough dog hair for you? I was really surprised actually because it, it, it again doesn't make a ton of noise. I mean it makes it actually the Roomba vacuum makes more noise than the lawnmower did. But um, you know, I would do tests with it when I was when I was reviewing it where, you know, I'd dump a pile of flour or crumbs or um, you know, pet hair for it to pick up. And I was always surprised at how much it could pick up. I think I did another test with peanuts and it picked up the peanuts. So you might not think that it has that kind of power, but it does a really great job of cleaning, and I was really surprised and impressed with it. Well, and you know, you don't have to do as much if it's if you're doing it every day. It's the stuff stays on the surface, and so you don't have to if it's not getting ground in. So there's some something to that. You know, the Roomba price point is just one of those places where I think for most people they can get in. I think those are three, four, five hundred dollars here in the United States, depending on your model, as opposed to a, you know a three thousand dollar. Um, mower. Although I think we're going to see that maybe as they get more popular here in North America, uh, maybe we'll see some some price. You know, the price will back off on that. Although the installation is probably still expensive, right? You got to get somebody out there unless you do it yourself. Uh, for the auto mower, yes, yeah. but the Roombas are all self-contained, so no, I mean, they just bump into stuff. Exactly, <laughs> bump off yeah. of things. They just they just bump into stuff. Well, if you want to take a look at that blog again, I mentioned to e, uh, Aaron e r i n l y y c dot com. Take a peek at that, and and Aaron, it was great to talk with you about that. I I want to talk about your jewelry though, a little bit. <laughs> Because uh, it intrigues me. You're a gadget girl. You kind of get into the gadget space, and yet you mentioned uh, in early in the program that uh, when you have a little bit of extra time, you kind of got into making your own jewelry. I know I had a friend, actually, there's a whole tech business around 3D printing or manufacturing using 3D printers, their own jewelry. Is that what you're into, or do you do kind of the traditional kind of the traditional stuff? I do traditional uh, hand silversmithing, so I learned that skill, oh my gosh, about 15 years ago when I was looking for just a hobby uh, and came across a class and thought, can't be that easy, and ended up taking the same class three times over to make sure I really had it down and just fell in love with the craft of it. There's, you know, there's... There's metallurgy, there's temperature, there's fire, there's forging, there's chemistry. So there's all kinds of neat aspects to it. And then there's still the artistry of being able to craft something really beautiful that, you know, someone or, or myself can wear and really be proud of. 
So that's what I like about silversmithing and it kind of overlaps into everything else. I would dearly love to figure out how I could 3D print jewelry either in silver or anything else. And I know people are doing that and some of it is really cool. So maybe one day down the road I could merge these two things. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I, I think you'll find that coming sooner rather than later. And uh, there's there's a little bit of a tech industry around that, and of course, 3D 3D printing made a huge uh, you know launch into the market, and then it's quieted way down. It's really really expensive, and of course, there's some pretty good printers that are out there now, but they're doing all kinds of interesting things now. I think behind the scenes, a lot of R and D. You know, printing plastic was cool, but like at the end of the day, we're like, what can we really do with this, right? And so now they're, I think they've gone back to the drawing board now that they've learned what they've learned and are coming out with more creative, different, and I'm, I'm seeing some crazy R&D stuff come out with 3D printers. They're still massively expensive, but, yes. but the technology behind it's pretty cool. Not for everyone, that's for sure. And I yeah. mean, for jewelry applications, the plastic ones are kind of fine, but, you know, if, if you're sort of weighing, do I want a plastic ring or a sterling silver ring, yeah. ah, you know, yeah. I'm a yeah. traditional. No, and I just think there's some things that tradition is just best, and uh, and it just kind of works out that way. Um, uh, let's wrap this with one. I always ask this: What's your favorite, or what what's a tech gadget you couldn't live without? I mean, what's your go-to daily driver? Or what just absolutely could you not live without? And that could be a couple things, but what uh, what are those gadgets? Uh, I think it's going to have to be my MacBook Pro and my iPhone 6 Plus. I go. never go anywhere without the phone because I do absolutely everything on it. And the MacBook has become so indispensable to me in all the, you know, the different work ventures and freelance ventures I have that I would probably be lost without it too. Yeah. My, my co-host, Mike Weger, who'd normally be here, we're doing this interview off schedule, but he's a big Mac guy. And so he'd be happy to. He, I'm not a Windows guy. That's why two two great tastes that taste great together, yeah. Mike and I. And uh, and so we do that. Anything in the future? You know, got you got a little taste of the future with this robot lawnmower. But anything when you look to the future, what do you look forward to, or what are some technologies that you're looking forward to in the future? Oh my gosh, Jim, I have a great answer for this. At uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show this year, I had the privilege of being there for the first time and had my mind blown in so many different ways. The Big one uh, was this TV that is basically an invisible TV. It's a flat panel of glass that is basically totally flexible. So you can check it out on my YouTube channel if you just Google search Aaron Lawrence TV um, and search invisible TV. You'll see it. It's basically, it'll drop down in front of your bookcase. All of a sudden, you can still see through the bookcase, all of a sudden, the picture comes on and you can no longer see what's behind in the bookcase. The TV comes on, it was full HD, looked absolutely stunning and amazing. They were running nature videos on it and your mind is just blown by the quality of this TV. All of a sudden the TV switches off, the screen rolls up and it's gone, your bookcase is back to being a bookcase. So that's going to be something that when that comes out I think it's just going to blow people's minds and I'm sure it's going to be expensive, but I would love to get my hands well, on that. Everything's expensive at first. I remember years ago when the big gigantic tube, I mean, before we really got into this era that we're in, um, and I remember this would have been late 80s, early 90s, even some of the big gigantic you know, uh, TVs 
or super expensive, and we would just laugh at those today. Like, like you brought what into the house? And uh, and now we're a little spoiled by the current flak technology. But I think that's cool because it just kind of hides. It comes down when you need it. Yeah. And it goes away when you don't. And well, you, uh, could, it, you, you could know. put it anywhere. You could put it in front of a window. You could put it, you know, you could hide it anywhere. So no longer are TVs these big hulking black boxes that take mm -hmm. up, you know, so much real estate in our homes. They would more seamlessly integrate and they would look, they're going to look really cool. Well, that's cool. I have, to, I have to go out and take a peek at that on your YouTube video. Very intriguing. I haven't seen those yet, and I, I got to be careful because I'm like you. I want to buy <laughs> once I see them. Like, and uh, that's uh, they're going to be really, really, really expensive. But CES is often a time when you can see that equipment come out. It takes a couple years, three to five years, maybe for some of that stuff to make it to market. If it's even gonna make it, some of that stuff we see at CES, we never see again. Like it yeah. comes out and then like. Where'd it go? But it's gone. Yeah. So, Aaron, thanks a ton for coming on uh, to, today to be a part of this. I, I was it was super fun to talk about a robot lawnmower, and uh, and and to do that, our audience will appreciate that. They love when we kind of geek out on that. And uh, everything we talked about will be in the show notes uh, there at theaverageguy.tv. Thanks, Aaron. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Aaron. I had a great time talking to her. God, I wish there was some way I could get that product in my hands. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a try. Maybe we'll uh, reach out to Husqvarna or, or maybe some of those other organizations and see if we can get one on the lawn. A little late here in Nebraska for this year, maybe next spring, but I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Going to remind you, don't forget, uh, an opportunity to support the podcast if you want. Patreon link is available for you. Theaverageguy.tv slash support gets you in. Again, $3 or more. And I'll send you a sticker coming up here. Usually they, they collect those at the end of the month. So we'll do those as they come up. There are a bunch of you, though, that have supported the podcast. And so uh, let me just roll through those real quick. And just for uh, just for privacy's sake, we'll only use first names on that. But uh, for those folks, for those folks, that, that didn't sound good, did it? I'll have to cut that part out. For those folks that uh, that donated, Brian, Paul, John, and Dennis, thanks for your, uh, your over-the-top three uh, more than $3 donation that's there. And then our $3 guys, Eric, Zach, Peter, Chad, Michael, Jim, MB, Dwayne, Malcolm, Nathaniel, and Mike. Of course, that's Mike Weger. And we appreciate your support on the Patreon link. Thanks, guys, for doing that. Many of you will be getting stickers here coming up. So watch your mail for those. We'll be doing those here uh, this weekend as we uh, as I get back and uh, enable to do that. Don't forget, you can contact, you can contact the show. Send me an email, Jim at the Average Guy. TV. You can find us on Twitter at Jay Collison. And of course, the AverageGuy.tv's platform, both web and media hosting, provided by Maple Grove Partners, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. For more information, visit MapleGrovePartners.com. We want to thank Roger out at WLMN Radio for broadcasting us live. Trustural Radio there in Grafton, West Virginia. We appreciate that. Again, don't forget the uh, the mobile app available for you. If you head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com, LastPass sponsors that for us. Great way to get the show live or even stream to your phone if you'd like to do it that way, both for Android and iPhone available. Thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. They're coming on here in a couple weeks. Don't forget to use the Amazon affiliate link when you are shopping at Amazon. And uh, many of you have. I appreciate you doing that. Thanks for all that you do for the network that helps support us as well. Head out to theaverageguide.tv slash Amazon. And then last but not least, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. If you want to see the information before you sign up for the newsletter, I post it public if you want to do it. Just might be more convenient to get that in your mailbox every Sunday. But if you want to check it out, 
head over to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. And on that page is the sign up for it. No pressure. If you want to do it, that's great. If not, hey, whatever you want to do is fine with me. We are live 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern now at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Most Thursdays, we've got kind of a sporadic schedule over the next couple weeks, so bear with me. We'll be doing some live interviews as well as be doing some recorded interviews. I'll be recording some guys out at uh, the Heartland Developer Conference, which is coming up, and those will make the live stream. I'll always try and have something ready for you on Thursday to listen to, if that's your pattern. We'll try and have something new out there each week to get that done. Uh, but with that, uh, we'll say goodnight, everybody.